if you're going to try to recruit tech talent young, and I think Milwaukee still has a problem with a lot of tech talent leaving the city when they graduate, we want to build those relationships while they're still in school. Hmm. And so, as you pointed out, we are legitimately on the campus of Milwaukee School of Engineering. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Sam Woods, and today I'm filling in actually for Kyle. Kyle's the one that did all the work on this interview. He made initial contact, he set up the interview, he actually conducted the interview. I'm just doing some of the background stuff, but I did have the pleasure of uh, listening to the conversation, and you know, it's a good one. It's If you're interested in tech in Milwaukee, you're interested in the startup scene in Milwaukee, you're interested in getting involved in more of like a business sense, this interview, you're probably going to get a lot out of this interview. Um, but really quick, you know the deal. You you can support us by liking and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, as well as financially on Patreon um, at just $4.14 a month. That's 414. We're clever. Helps keep us on the air at 104.1 River West Radio every other Sunday. Helps us uh, keep the show going um, without having to dig too much into our own pockets, um, which I very much appreciate. Um, so if you can, throw us some coins on Patreon. Um, and while you're doing that, I'll let Tom Pap Rocky take it away. My name is Tom Paprocki. I'm the Managing Director of the Innovation and Technology Center at Direct Supply. Wonderful. Well, thanks for being on, Tom. And so I was checking out your LinkedIn, get some background information, get some good questions. I saw you went to school at UW-Madison and also went to school at the Kellogg School of Business in Indiana. Well, this is where anyone who went to that school is going to hate you because right. Kellogg is at Northwestern. Oh, okay. Ke- Kelly, Kelly. Is, is in Indiana. So you went to Kelly, a much better school than Kellogg, clearly. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what brought you to Milwaukee? Well, I'm from here originally. I left um, I left in, I think, 2002. And I had lived and worked kind of all over the place, all over the U.S., all over the world, and um, eventually wanted to come back. I have always loved the city, but my parents are a little bit older. I have uh, four siblings and seven nieces and nephews and wanted to get back here. I did not imagine coming back as early as I did, but Direct Supply found me, and I was enchanted right and now i'm back yeah i want to talk about the those hosts of experiences you've had all across the globe i know you've done some sales you were did brand ambassadorship you had kind of a host of these disparate experiences seemingly what did those teach you and and how are you leveraging what you learned in those jobs here at direct supply yeah i mean i think i've done a little bit of everything and i sometimes joke that the all roads lead to senior care yeah and they and they have for me I think, you know, I've, I've been able to learn from a variety of different industries. I think that there's a lot to be learned from some of the, the technology uh, companies that I've worked for. I've worked for a lot of science-based organizations. And I think, generally speaking, what's happening now, because I, I have people say this all to, to me all the time, you worked in biotech, you worked in pharma, you worked in the State Department over in Russia. Those all seem very interesting. Why in the hell would you work in senior care? And I think, quite honestly, the answer is, there has never been a more exciting time to be in this space. Um, I think a lot of the challenges that are being faced now in the senior care market are, at least if we do things the way we've always done them, uns- unsolvable, hmm. right? I mean, you have huge demographic shifts where the number of seniors have doubled in the last 40 years are going to double again in the next 30. You have generational shifts where you're moving from the baby bo- or from the, the silent generation to the baby boomers and people want to age differently. And then lastly, you just don't have enough money to pay for it. And mm-hmm. I think 
part of what I've done up until this point has just been to work all over the place, learn from a variety of different industries. And some of those things can truly be applied to solve some of these really hard challenges in the senior care space. Right. So I think your answer kind of dovetails into this next question. That's what I do. I predict. (laughs) By the way, you seem like a pretty observant guy. Yeah. And you didn't even mention the fact that right at the top of my LinkedIn profile, do you know what's in the background? Um, I didn't expect to get a pop quiz. I don't remember. Well, you're you're quizzing me. Yeah. It's Falkor from The NeverEnding Story. Are you too too young to know that movie? I don't know that movie. All right. Well, it shows how closely he looked at it. He already (laughs) butchered the name of my school, so... Um, so when people think of direct supply, I think just like in general or, or like working with aging populations, they don't necessarily think innovation and we're sitting inside an incredibly cool building. It was just like a $14 million renovation, 55,000 square feet. Yeah. Uh, you have flappy bird everywhere. You got cool chairs. It feels like you're in like a startup. How, how does a building like that or like this play into like what direct supply is trying to do. They seem very yeah. at odds, but I'm sure they're a lot more similar than I think. Well, I feel I, I feel like you're phrasing this very delicately, Kyle. Are you dancing around the fact that the name direct supply is a boring sounding name? <laughs> I mean, I, th- I would agree with that statement. So would I. Yeah. And I work there. <laughs> no, I think that was one of the challenges I had when I heard about this company is that it just, it doesn't really represent what the company does. I mean, it sounds like a, you know, direct supply sounds like it's a company that sells cardboard boxes. And it isn't until you get here and realize what we actually work on that it's not at all what it was. And I, uh, if the CEO was listening, know that I have, I have campaigned to change the name for several <laughs> years now. But nevertheless, I mean, I think it is one of those companies uh, that is undiscovered even in Milwaukee. I mean, we have a very national, if not international reach, and yet no one really knows who we are. And I think part of it is that we have almost, I'd love to claim that it was a brilliant uh, marketing smokescreen so mm. that no one would know what drug supply was. But increasingly, people do. And the, the the good thing is, if you worked in the industry of senior care, you would absolutely know who direct supply is. Right. But I think you know part of the reason that this campus exists and why it's so different, people walk in here, including people who work on the other large campus for direct supply, and say, boy, it feels like a different company, because it is. And everything is focused on what I discussed earlier, which is you have this this market, this industry that is fairly stayed, fairly conservative, and hasn't really changed much over the last dec- few decades, and all of a sudden it realizes that it has to, mm-hmm. right? And so we're at this inflection point where things absolutely have to change. We want to be at the vanguard of that, and so we built a campus to reflect that. Wonderful. What was specific about this location, and could you speak a little bit to the collaboration with MSOE? Sure. So, I mean, there's a few reasons why we did it here, right? The first is just just basic trends. Uh, people want to move to cities, right? Urbanization is real, and especially younger talent and some of the tech talent you referenced, they want to live in a city. So for us to be downtown affords people the opportunity to uh, to walk here or take the hop or whatever it may be uh, to get to work. But more importantly, if you're going to try to recruit tech talent young, and I think Milwaukee still has a problem with a lot of tech talent leaving the city when they graduate, we want to build those relationships while they're still in school. Hmm. And so, as you pointed out, we are legitimately on the campus of the Milwaukee School of Engineering. Um, we built a place here because we have been partnered with MSOE for the better part of 30 years. Um, by being here, it allows us to do two things. One is have an engineering intern walk to work right. as opposed to getting on a bicycle in the middle of January and bicycling up to the northwest side. Uh, so that's been helpful. Um, but we, we know that it's important to be downtown 
And we also think that it allows us to have kind of a different energy around the place. I say this a lot. I, I think that it's very healthy to have two campuses as a company. It's certainly not an us versus them thing. We're very integrated. But there is an advantage to having some sort of cultural and geographical insularity from the mothership. Hmm. And so we've had a lot of uh, wins as a result of that. And I think that especially for the younger people in many cases or, or some of the tech talent we're recruiting, it just makes it easier when you are able to kind of build a culture around that. Yeah. Um, in the new year and in the years coming, what kind of innovations will we see in like aging population, senior care? I know Mary was talking about some of the technology that's being developed to like anticipate falls and, and help with that stuff. I, I know nothing about this. So I'm just curious, like what is, what is that world going to look like? Kyle, are you ready to have your mind blown? I'm ready to have my mind All blown. Right. So the, the big challenges in senior care are rooted in a, in a couple different main branches. So the first is people want to stay at home as long as possible, right? And the challenge there is that it's really hard to do that currently. And I don't know how old you're, if your parents are, you seem like a young chap, Kyle. If it, maybe yeah. your grandparents are hopefully still with us. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know about you, but I was out with my parents last night. Uh, they're in their mid-70s. My dad has some balance issues. And I do worry about them being at home. And I think, especially as you're a little bit older, things like uh, you probably have a cell phone in your pocket and mine is sitting dutifully next to me. People don't often carry their phones around with them. Mm. And so if things happen in the home, you don't really know, right? right? So I think that, that you're going to see an explosion of technologies that ultimately enable people to live at home and that can actually predict things that are about to happen or react to things passively so that you don't have to worry, did mom, you know, fall in the kitchen and she's unable to let anybody know it. So for example, there are technologies right now where you can put a sensor under somebody's mattress or even uh, small devices behind a wall, excuse me, above a ceiling that can monitor things like, did somebody fall? Has someone not moved in a long time? You can monitor things like breathing rate and uh, heart rate. You can even look at things like the QRS cycle to determine is someone developing an arrhythmia in real time. Hmm. And the more you're able to do that, you're actually able to take that data and communicate it to some sort of platform that can then actually triage, whether it's going to be to a family member, uh, to some particular segment of the healthcare system, or just start to make predictions of the next person, time that person goes to, a, say, a physician, they're able to intercede appropriately as opposed to waiting for something to happen. Hmm. So I think that's the first thing. You're going to start to see a lot more technology that enables people to stay at home. The second is there's just going to be technology that enables people to age better for longer in senior care communities. Hmm. And so we see all sorts of things where, uh, for example, we had a, a startup here for a couple of years, and they're still somewhat based out of the space from Portugal that focuses on how do you use technology, things like artificial intelligence and sensors to allow you to do rehabilitation, right? So whether that's going to be prehab before, say, a knee replacement surgery or rehab afterward, there aren't enough therapists out there. I think it's the sixth hardest job to hire for now in the United States, not hmm. just in healthcare, but period. Interesting. So how do you augment and supplement that with things like technology? And what we've been able to do working with them is build it out in such a way that a senior can use this technology without having a therapist there with them yeah. and get better faster huh. for less money. Yeah. Very cool. So you just mentioned, obviously, that startup. Um, I'm curious how that relationship goes with direct supply and these startups that either work in this space or have a, a partnership with you. Are you out like scouting the globe for potential startups that could come into the direct supply ecosystem? Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And it's true. I mean, there are 
I think if you went back 10 years and you tried to figure out how many startups were focused on aging, it was probably almost silent, mm-hmm. right? There just weren't a lot of people focused on it. And I think now that you have, uh, you know, they're calling it the silver tsunami. I did not. Well, that's some, some consultant the, came up with that and got okay. paid a lot of money, no doubt. But that that's reference to like an increasingly aging population. Correct. Okay. Just as another, can I keep asking you pop yes. quiz questions? Yeah. What is the most rapidly aging country in the world? The United States. No, it's Japan. Okay, I just had yeah. to guess. But it was good. We're, we're up there in the somewhere in the top 10. There we go. Uh, but the reason I bring it up is um, we, we constantly are looking for solutions because the reality is not all those startups are going to be in the United States, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the nice thing that Direct Supply has going for it is that we have a channel that's built to go to a very fragmented market. So if you look at senior care, there's somewhere between, depending on how you measure what a senior care community is, let's call it 40,000 buildings across the United States. We sell to about 95% of those. And so if you're a startup, hmm. ultimately your investor is going to say, how are you going to get to market? And that's how we wind up finding a lot of them. Okay. But we do scout quite a bit. And so these aren't uh, luxurious international junkets, Kyle, but yes, we do, <laughs> we do fly around the world trying to, to, to see what other countries are doing. Because if you look at Japan, uh, the second most rapidly aging country in the world is Italy. Hmm. They're already dealing with some of the stuff that is inevitably waiting for us, right? And so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Some of the technologies we're looking at for passive monitoring, so really how do you track what's going on in somebody's home without having to have somebody there all the time, a lot of that's coming out of Japan. Hmm. And a lot of it's driven by the fact that they're incredibly technologically adept, but also they have to. Right? right. I mean, it's getting to the point now where in Japan, the government and various municipalities are paying younger people to move to towns because the ratios are so skewed that they have to have some people there that aren't, you know, there's people that are under 70. Right. So um, it, it's really what we're drawn to is we want to find a way to help people in the United States age better. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, those uh, those solutions have been pioneered elsewhere. And so we're, we're constantly looking around the world. I think at this point, we've vetted somewhere between 22 and 2300 different startups that are focused on the senior care space. Oh, very fast. You know, and we want to make sure that we partner with the best of them and mm-hmm. then help them scale within our market to benefit seniors and the customers that right. we serve. I'm curious on your relationship with like governmental bodies. I worked for the housing authority for 18 months mm-hmm. uh, while I was in grad school and we were working on the choice neighborhood project up kind of near the main HQ or main HQ now of direct supply. Is this the main HQ? No, we're, we're, but okay. a mere uh, forgotten satellite. Right, Kyle, right. So. Well with the, at the main HQ and I know that a lot of their facilities are seniors only. Right. So I'm curious on how direct supply works with kind of local stakeholders or local governmental bodies to maybe bring some of this technology into uh, affordable housing or, or what have you. Yeah. So that it, it's a process. I mean, part of the challenge I think that we're running up against, not just here in Milwaukee or in Wisconsin, is that senior care tends not to be the most tech forward part of the economy, right? right? There's it's not really a funny joke, but people will joke that hospitals are 10 years behind consumer hmm. and that senior care is 10 to 15 years behind hospitals. Right. And we have to fix that. And so what we focused on mostly is you have to go to entities that are the most receptive to it. And there's basic building blocks like uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs who tend to you know skew somewhere between 20 and 40 walk into a senior care community and surprised to find out that they don't really have functional Wi-Fi. 
right? Like maybe the Geek Squad rolled in and and put in a like a residential router in the lobby, but there's right. no real Wi-Fi, and so a lot of the tech hinges on that. Mm-hmm. We have to find partners that are able to support some of these new things technologically, but are also open to the idea that it's actually going to impact how they deliver care. So we are doing that. We're doing that locally and across the United States, but we have to find the right partners before and to actually build it out together before we start to take it out to the to the market at large. Right. Very interesting. Um, so on Bridge the City, we're really focused on community action and com- community involvement. Um, so if our audience is listening to this and they're like, wow, direct supply, this is really fascinating. This is a really important issue. The silver tsunami to steal your language. Oh, I uh, stole it from somebody else. So yeah. We well, we pay it forward. Yeah. We'll pay it forward. Um, how does someone go about getting more involved in this space and, and kind of contributing to fixing this, uh, co- incoming or currently going on crisis? Yeah, so I think there's there's a couple of different ways. Uh, the first I've already talked a little bit about, which is if there are entrepreneurs that are focused on the senior care space, we very much want to talk to them, right? I mean, if we can find a way that's going to be beneficial to them, beneficial to us, and we think can actually solve a real problem in the industry and hopefully be paid for, uh, then absolutely we want to talk to those entrepreneurs. Uh, and we're, I think, probably disproportionately supportive of local mm. entrepreneurs okay. just because we're committed to the city. Um, second, a lot of the the challenges that we focus on are going to require active participation by seniors themselves, right? Seniors, clinicians, uh, care providers of all kinds. And I think just to give you an example of one we're working on going into 2020, there are things like, uh, and you're young and spry, Kyle, so you don't know this, but as you get a little bit older, Mm. you're more prone to falls, right? And Mm -hmm. falls can be terribly debilitating if you're 70, 80, 90 years old. And how you actually address that challenge is yet to be really solved. And I think that there are point solutions that have come out. So, for example, how do you do a better balance assessment to determine who is more likely to fall? But that's very different from what sort of rehab or exercises do you have that person do and how do you monitor that without having people all the time? It's also very different from if you fall, how do you lessen the impact and lower the likelihood that, say, you're going to shatter your hip, right? All those things are being worked on somewhat in isolation, and we have initiatives that are really focused about solving problems like that holistically. Mm. To do that, we're going to need seniors in the community. We're going to need caregivers in the community, and we've lined up some of those already. But if there are things that you ultimately want to help us work on, that's what we do, right? I mean, I, I know that, and we referenced it earlier, the name Direct Supply, I think, belies what we actually do, which is come up with solutions for some of the most challenging issues facing the United States around aging. Right. And um, to do that, we're going to have to engage even more than we already do with the community and with seniors as a whole. So if there are people listening that want to participate in that, that's something that we put a lot of emphasis on because we're here to build things that solve problems. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, So now I'm just thinking, I think a lot of the solutions we've talked about or upcoming solutions have to do with seniors as they're older. Mm Mm-hmm. Does direct supply get involved in anything like the like proactive things that people can do when they're younger to make them more mobile or like have a healthier life as they're older to prevent some of these issues from occurring? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question. I can speak only for myself when I say I had a very healthy, very delicious smoothie before I came to this <laughs> podcast. But I think uh, part of what we're trying to drive toward, and I'm trying to figure out how to put this in a way that doesn't take us into a, a rabbit hole of... Uh, machine learning and uh, <laughs> but there is 
there's an opportunity to tie some of the things that we work on in senior care to the broader healthcare spectrum, right. right? And so you start to come up with things around some sort of longitudinal health record. And basically it's, uh, what are all the things you do over the course of your life that ultimately impact you later? And again, without getting too technical, there are ways to bridge some of the work that we're already involved in with things that are focused more on younger portions of a person's life. Uh, we're working, for example, right now with an entrepreneur. He told me that his vision was and again, this requires all of the data that no one actually has yet. Uh, but he wants it to be that you can wake up in the morning, you look at your app, and it'll tell you uh, if you eat broccoli this morning, it'll lower the chances that you get um, prostate cancer by 17% in the year 2041. Right. Right. We're not there yet as, as an industry, but I do think there are certain things you can do to prevent issues that that's not really my area of expertise. And I would mm -hmm. recommend rather that people go see their physician or nutritionist or, or therapy, physical therapist. Right. Um, but it is an interesting thing, right? Yeah. And it is all interrelated. A lot of the technologies that we see ultimately will have bearing and be affected by portions of, of healthcare that are being served by other technological yeah. solutions. So does direct supply have current relationships with say like physicians, physical therapists, insurance companies, even because it all kind of does. Yes. Yes. And yes. Okay. Yeah. And you know, the, uh, this is supposed to be an upbeat podcast. And so I don't want to reflect upon how absolutely disjointed and uh, horrifically overcomplicated the healthcare system is right. in the United States. But uh, part of the obstacles are rooted in the fact that these things are very factionalized and they're also cocooned in a way that inhibits information from flowing in between them. So it's not to say that it can't be solved. I think inevitably it will be solved. But right now, we're focused with 99% of our energy on how do we make life better when yeah. you're older. Wonderful. Well, we'll pivot to an upbeat ending. I have two final questions. Right. The first is, what is your favorite thing about working here at Direct Supply? My favorite thing about working here at Direct Supply, this is cheesy, but I have to say it anyway. So I've, I've worked for a lot of science-based organizations. I've worked for much larger companies. Um, it has the what I would almost call like the holy trifecta. So it has people who are super, super smart. Mm -hmm. I would say far and away the smartest group of people I've ever worked with on the whole. Uh, it has people that I think are super good at what they do, but probably most importantly, people who are super fun to work with and really well-intentioned. I think right. that you know being an employee-owned company really impacts that. And it was not what I expected to come to a company with the name Direct Supply, but here we are. And um, that has been the most fun is that uh, to get together with people that actually do really deeply care about the mission of this company and what we're trying to do for seniors. Um, that and probably the the free beer that's on tap about 45 feet that right. way. Right. I saw yeah. that. I'm glad you ended with that. That was a... Uh, well, we will end with that. <laughs> right. So. Exactly. The final question. Yeah. What do you want people to know about direct supply that you think might be like a misconception um, or like, what can people expect from direct supply going forward in 2020 and in the following years? Um, as far as just, I think a lot of people don't really know what direct supply is. There's like a misconception and we've talked about it a lot, but yeah. if you could leave one final nugget on like, this is what direct supply will be doing and this is what we can look forward to uh, celebrating a great Milwaukee company, what would it be? Sure. So I think in terms of what we're going to be doing is exactly what I already talked about, which is we are trying to solve some of the most intractable challenges around aging. Um, that's what we do as a company, right? That's going to involve whether your talents are in technology, operations, sales, marketing, whatever it may be. 
the what I would offer to people who are listening to this as a shameless plug for us is we are a rapidly growing company. Uh, everything we do is rooted in talent. You know, despite what you might think about the name Direct Supply, we don't actually have any warehouses. Mm-hmm. We don't have any inventory. We don't even own this building that we're in. It's a convoluted operating <laughs> lease. Um, our only asset is people. Right. Honestly, I mean, we have we don't even have debt. All we have is <laughs> is people and knowledge workers, and so. For those people that are looking for uh, some sort of role, doing something that has real meaning, that's going to have impact, but can also be a lot of fun. And again, since it's uh, an employee-owned company, has the opportunity to, to generate wealth for you and your family along the way, we would love to talk to you. And I think it is one of the best-kept secrets in this city. It is a very unusual, quirky place. You can't see it, Kyle, because you're facing away from that door. But a, a dog named Walter just strolled in here, made on contact with me, and ran away. Right. There's stuff like that that awaits you, and I just think that the kind of the culture, the mission, and ultimately just the style of this place is something that I had never seen in any of the places I've ever worked before. And if somebody's looking for a, a change or, or something that is a little bit more meaningful, I think uh, you should take a look. I love it. Um, and if you want to, if you're intrigued by the company, you want to find out more information, you can go to. Uh, his LinkedIn, and you'll see he went to UW-Madison and the Kelly School of Management. That Way fine, to tie it together at the end, fine Kyle. Company that was, that was smooth. That school at Indiana University. Thank you, Tom, for joining us, and thank you for listening to another episode of Bridges City. We love that you're still here with us. We love that we get to do this. Again, if you're interested in supporting us financially, you can support us on Patreon at $4.14 level. Um, Other than that, let us know how you're helping Bridge the City.